Stephen Mulk. Hello, Dave. You're sounding a bit subdued. Oh, no, no, I just thought it's always big and I just do something different. That's all, just mixing it up, keeping our relationship fresh, Dave. <laughs> well, there's nothing like you know, a bit of change and a bit of newness to spice a relationship up, Stephen, so I, I, I appreciate you, mm. you know, thinking about me. I'm making an effort. <laughs> well, that, I mean, and that, that's all I ask, you know. Do your hair nicely every now and again. A bit, mm. of, bit, of, bit of lippy. I know, just you occasionally know, like... <laughs> truss myself up. I mean, you know, it's for your own good as well, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's not just for my benefit. I'd like to make it clear to the court at this point that I did not partake in this conversation. That everything that was said was said by Dave Gorkroger. <laughs> oh, dear. Hello. How have you been? Mate, um... It's it's like nearly the middle of February. Um, blurred is how I am, I think. Um, work, oh man, that first... Like, I went back to work the Australia Day week. Right. So, yep. the, the four-day week. And even that was too long. That was not <laughs> a thing. Um, I, I'm sure as much as I attended, I wasn't as... I wasn't the best version of me that week. Yeah. You're the poster child for presenteeism. Oh, 100%. I, I, I was there. I punched in. Um, and it kind of improved across it. Oh, I had... I don't know how to, to wade into this without it becoming a huge story. <laughs> Plus, I've got a weird cough, which is going around a house. Um, so I had my annual performance review evaluation insert name for whatever the horror is here this week. Yeah, yeah. And I hate those things, Dave. Like, I'm willing to wear on my shoulders that, you know, in, in my performance at work, I've, I've made some mistakes. I, I have done some things wrong. Um, I, I own those mistakes and have rectified them where I can. Um, there have been times where I wasn't aware of some of the mistakes that I've made. And some of my marvellous managers have brought them to my attention in the performance evaluation and at no other time. Oh, that's that's great. That's really helpful. Oh, it's diabolical. That's why I hate them. Now, I have also had to sit on the other side of the desk and do them for some people. And I have tried really hard to not do that. However, I've also had to try really hard not to be Michael Scott. And just be the boss that everyone likes because you just give them a free pass. <laughs> you know, like that. But the, the key thing for me, no surprises. There should be no surprises when you have a performance evaluation. No unhappy surprises, unpleasant surprises. Like, you know, Dave, you know, it's great that you're here and you've done a great job. And here's all the things you've done wrong. So this is why we're not giving you a pay rise. Um, yeah, they're never fun. And I mean, look, and look, I realize that, yeah, that, that you're far more progressive and enlightened church uh, it doesn't have a one-to-one comparison to the uh, the faith community that I grew up in. Mm. But isn't the whole idea that you just get to go, oops, I'm sorry, move on, and like, <laughs> be no consequences <laughs> for your actions? I mean, it certainly seems to be the case for a lot of the clergy. Yeah, I mean... Hello. Um, look, there's certainly... <laughs> Three minutes, 24 seconds. <laughs> I think that's a new record for me, slandering your, your faith. <laughs> I'd also like to point out to the court at this point that Dave Gorkrodger brought that up, not me. <laughs> um, and hello to the people from my church that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
with with <laughs> I was the... gonna say you 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 sell this as uh, to your to your uh, to the people at work as you attempting to bring someone back onto the straight and narrow, don't you? That's oh. where those that's where those you know, fifty two listeners for the podcast are coming from. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Watch Mulk <laughs> evangelise <laughs> with a stupid heathen from down south. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> one, one of my KPIs for the year. Um, <laughs> no, no, no wonder your performance review was so rough. <laughs> in a in a post royal commission world that we <sighs> all now live in, um, churches particularly were completely reasonably under the spotlight over some of the things that they had omitted, overlooked chose not to see around the way that some people behaved, um, particularly in relation to systematic child sexual abuse. Not cool. Uh, And part of the Royal Commission was the Royal Commissioner looking at all of these organisations, not just churches, but particularly at churches and saying, so how are you fixing it? How are you making good on the wrongs that you've committed in the past, you in the royal sense? And what are you doing to make sure that it won't happen again? So let me tell you, in church land, there are heaps of policies, lots of checks and balances, lots of very formal processes, annual training for anybody that works with, with children and young people, people under the age of 18, to make sure... Look, I'm, gonna, this, this, I'm sure you'll understand what I mean by this. Mm, mm. I don't think... It, it would be impossible for us to say that we can stop it. What we can do is absolutely, absolutely minimise the opportunity for it. Oh, absolutely. Because look, there will not... be people that will try and do it and they will be on the inside and they will know all of the things and try and find the holes. And, and I mean, because uh, I, I spent some time um, That's grim, with Scouts New South Wales, obviously, mm. and you know, child protection... Um, training for people there is a is a massive thing, and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a big part of the training that they do for the leaders is around uh, child protection and, and appropriate behaviour. Um, yep, like not just um, in terms of you know, with, with the children, obviously, but um, with other leaders and sort of making sure that no one uh, either has or, or try to avoid the chance for anyone to have opportunity to do anything wrong. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's a it's a massive thing as it bloody well should be. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the, hor- the horrific thinking is that um, you wonder now what will be seen by predators as the next soft target, right? Like, yeah. like, I, like I can't, I can't imagine. Uh, someone now maybe volunteering in, uh, say, a church or or, or some of these youth organisations the mm. way that they might have in the past um, in in terms of trying to get access because these organisations have lifted their game. Yeah, but that, yeah. The, the thing that, that just frightens me the most is that, 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 so where's the next soft target? Where's the place that we all have a blind spot now that no one's thinking about that these people are going to hone in on? Because yeah. I don't think... Like, like, I don't think these people are going away. No, and, and, bit... and this becomes the problem. That, and that's why my statement earlier, you know, that, like, I can't promise it's never going to happen again. I, I am doing absolutely everything in my power, in my patch, to make sure it never happens again. Um, the, the difficult part in the pendulum swing of this, Dave, is that we've gone from, we love everyone and forgive everyone and we'll just move them to the next parish. We've now swung the other way where even what can be 
something that is very innocent has to be scrutinized. Mm. And that puts pressure on ministers, on youth workers, on people who are involved in community groups that work with young people um, that might be untoward or might be undue, however it's necessary, so that they are acutely aware that it's just not a thing and we're not going to tolerate it. Uh, I did. I had a presentation this week. This is, mate, we are diving down the tangent hole. Um, <laughs> Look, anything to avoid talking about the Super Bowl is fine by me. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. Um, the, I did my presentation, Understanding Your Kids, that I do as part of work that I wrote. Um, that is part cyber safety, part, uh, hey, parents, get your head out of your butt. This is how kids use the internet. And part, it's okay, parents. We can get through this. Like, even though you may not understand all of it, here are some tools and some strategies to help you develop how you work with this in your home. Um, so I did it this week and, and it was great. You know, people turned up. They thought it was excellent content. Very happy. Uh, the, the person who was responsible for coordinating the event where I was at shared with me their frustration that one of their children is a part of a swimming club and that the head coach quite happily takes photos of all of the kids quite happily and posts them on their public Facebook page. Oh, God. Now, the culture within swimming clubs, those that are aware, has been that the rules are you don't step up onto the dice to collect your medals or do anything like that. You don't get a photo taken without putting your club shirt and or jacket on. Yep. A, it represents the club, you look great. B, you're not standing there as a young child in your swimwear. So... This, this person was like, I, do, I don't know whether I should fight this fight, Malk, because I've had conversations with the head coach and they're like, what's wrong with it? And the kids are like, yeah, of course I want to get a picture, you know, because the, the head coach is like, here's such and such, they swam their PB this, this week and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, she's saying, she's saying not stop taking the photos, just put a shirt on before you take the photos because it's not for us. It's not we hope, for anybody involved with the club, it's the fact that they said I, that they could guarantee, you know, I guess hypothesising, that the the URL of the Swimming Club's Facebook page, because it is public, will be on a list somewhere where people who take gratification of seeing young people in swimwear and, 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 like it's on their list. Oh, God, this is a good way to start a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's climb oh, out of the pit, right? Let's, let's, so that's let's... diabolical. It's horrid. So I encourage that person (laughs) to say, yes, be the pain, be the the thorn in their side. If it gets to the point, explain to them that because of your role, you know, this is the training that you now have to undertake because of the way that it was just, oh, but it's okay in the past. Um, Like, yeah, so that will be, (sighs) I'm sure. And and that person, the person I'm talking about will be very sensitive and they won't be all, you know, Mulk would just come in and say, this is not happening. I had to pull up um, a teenage, admittedly, uh, leader at a youth group that my son attends. He's moved, because he's in grade eight now, he has the opportunity to become an apprentice leader for kids' church on Sunday morning. And fine, he went to the training, gave them his email. That's fine. Now, we're a bit kind of cautious about who uh, Luke gives his email address to. Because Mm -hmm. that's his private information and not everyone needs to have it. And certainly, because it's a direct contact to him, we don't think that anybody else needs to necessarily, or many people, need to be able to email him directly. Um, 
Fine, in this context, we think it's okay. The first email that they sent out to 50 email addresses. At Kids <laughs> Church this week, but right, right, I am on yeah. this. <laughs> sent a reasonably terse but very polite email back to this person explaining to them how inappropriate it was that we didn't give permission for Luke to give you his email address, blah, 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 blah. We understand the need to communicate and how this is an excellent way to do it. Please, in future, blind copy everybody's email addresses because we didn't need to know everybody else's either, necessarily. (laughs) Our kids' high school, unfortunately, has that same problem. Not with anything anything that comes out of the office. Mm. I think they're more aware of it. But stuff from individual classroom teachers. teachers And... I'll be honest with you, Bulk. Oh, <laughs> I've so far just gone, look, I'm just not going to have that fight this time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that for someone else. But when you consider like the number of uh, situations where you can have people with you know difficult family situations yeah. yes. and, and um, concerns about uh, communication, all this sort of stuff, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah this is not good, this is not the way it should be. And yeah. I'm getting like, you know, <laughs> really, really anxious about it. And I'm just like, I just, I can't be that person this time. Like, I just, yeah. right now, I can't be that person who goes in and goes, you know, have you thought about the fact that, because quite clearly the answer yeah. to that is, well, no, they haven't, otherwise they wouldn't have done it. And what, but, what's clear is that there's no education process within that school to to effectively get, teachers up to speed to help them understand oh, but it, 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 it's email like who who taught you to use email well see that's two very different things here Dave no one necessarily taught me how to use email because I'm of the, the age that email kind of came to life in my existence okay which is exactly my point like like no one ever taught anyone to use email beyond... Well, the closest thing that we got to learning email was, of course, we had to use the uh, uh, the university's Unix server sure. to send yeah, them yeah, receive so. email. So we, we learned this is how you log on to with your with your Telnet session, no security. <laughs> this is completely clear passwords. Yeah. You, this, is, this is how you Telnet to the server, and then this is how you invoke uh, Nano, which was the... Oh. Easy to easy yep. to use editor. There was not even a word processor. Let's no, call it, it a text editor at yeah. best. Um, and it was the easy one because that meant you didn't have to use VI. Um, I love and, VI. Uh, I won't hear a thing against it. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 that's it. Like go go your hardest. Um, so yeah, like no one's like email etiquette as we you know like to think about it is practically non-existent like there's no hard and fast rules and they change depending on um when you uh started using email and what context it was in whether it was like a social thing or uh where like there are there are people i have co-workers i seriously have co-workers who use email uh like it was a facebook message system you know like like you know like i i get uh email replies to at the end of a long chain um, with thanks. And it's just like, I, I didn't need that. <laughs> All you're doing is making email worse with this one extra email. That, or, or, I'm going to just delete it. Like, there's no there's no oh. content there. It's it's a, just, no, you're bad. You're bad at email. You're, and, 
and of course, like, there's nothing to stop people sending as many emails as they want. It's just, it just is completely, your attention is at their mercy, and it's it's horrible. It's, it's absolutely horrible, and so, like, there, there are no professional standards about how you use no, email. No, it, And, and ah, I hate email. I really do. Hold my lot. beer, Dave. <laughs> uh, like you, career IT professional. Um... I remember working for a company, and I'm going to say it was about the time where, broadly speaking, people went, email is a great business tool. We haven't had enough rules around it. You know, that people are just, it's its the Wild West in email land. Mm-hmm. People are just doing whatever they want. We need to tie this down. Now, privately, knock yourself out, kids. Um, in a business context, stop replying to the all-staff emails. <laughs> right? That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Uh, so <laughs> we, I've, to, I've told you, uh, oh, have I, I don't know what, look, I'm working for one of the biggest IT companies in the world yep. and at least once no, a year, no, at, Dave, at, please at, no, at least once a year, because of course, uh, in Australia, well, we get on, we get on the bandwagon relatively early. So when the all staff <laughs> email goes wrong <laughs> and we start getting the, Please remove me from this email distribution oh. list or remove me from this chain email. Start having, we'll see those like oh. first thing in the morning, right? And it's like, oh, this is going to be a long day <laughs> because oh, no. then, then Singapore comes online oh, and they start no. doing it. And then India comes on. And, it, and <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I, 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 it's not just punctuated with people going, please take me off this distribution list. It's also punctuated by people also replying all going, don't replace And it just takes a good 24 hours to peter itself out. In the meantime, your email client's just choking. Your computer wants to, like, die. And that is the reason why Microsoft introduced into Outlook the ability to filter email. Oh, God. And and create junk rules (laughs) that says that replies to this email can go straight in the junk. Like, it's that crazy. Um (sighs) <sighs> Look, there's a few things to unpack in that. First of all, if someone sent an email to a distribution list, which is controlled by a small group of people, to everybody in the business, no, you can't be removed from the distribution list. <laughs> Secondly, you can't be removed from the replies to that distribution list, because guess what? It's going to everyone. It's a distribution list. Everyone. Oh. Um, and thirdly, replying and telling people to not reply all <laughs> is not going to fix the problem. Um, I it's, will. It's less productive than you think. Oh, in the worst way. <laughs> I, w- I will say that I am now, at, like, in 2018, in the last couple of years, not in this job, I have been known to. Um, when somebody sends a staff, all staff email, and someone replies all, to then initiate a conversation with them. <laughs> like, I'm that bastard. Cause, oh. uh, because I know how frustrating it is. <laughs> And I, I, I'm going to front foot this. I'm not going to be on the end of a million, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to force it. So, uh, you know, so like the, for example, if the CEO sent out an email, uh, we've had a really great year. Congratulations, everyone. We're really proud of you. Thank you for your efforts, yada, yada. And some middle manager who is very clearly trying to suck his way up the chain, <laughs> you know, oh, thanks, blah, blah, yeah, We're really proud of my team. They did a great job. I'm like, yeah, they did. Who do you reckon was best? <laughs> You're awful. Oh, let me tell you, that has paid dividends. That has entertained me for a day. 
and I've had some eye rolls from some co-workers, and I've had some high fives, and I'm just going to drink this coffee my wife brought me, because that's a great way to punctuate that anecdote. Oh, dear. Oh, it's, oh. Yeah, it's diabolical. Email is the worst. Yeah, look, it, it's, I, I told you last time we talked about my job's changed, didn't I? No. I oh, didn't I? No. Oh, right. Yeah. What is it, Dave? Well, Stephen. <laughs> I'll just sit back and listen. Yeah, well, so my job has been now for uh, over 15 years. Wow. To basically run around with a laptop and a, a screwdriver and a handful yep. of spare parts. Yes. And when things are broken, make them be not broken. You are the saint that I have called on because of our service agreements many times <laughs> in my IT career. I, I, I am the man that, that when you leave, everyone says, thanks, but I hope I don't see you again soon. <laughs> like, wow. That, 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 look, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. I, Normally, that, I, if Dave's there, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, so that has been my role for some time. And, and um, being as I am based here uh, out in uh, Aubrey-Wodonga, you can imagine... Mm. My workload is not quite as hectic as some of my, my co-workers in metropolitan areas, and that's always been you know, just an understanding of you know, that that's how it is. It, it is what it is. Yep. Um, but allegedly, I've been given um, a promotion of sorts. Oh, hang on. <laughs> When you say of sorts, Dave, when you're the one saying it and you're the one that received said promotion, it doesn't sound like it's a promotion. Well, first I need to explain <laughs> how this all sort of came about. Please, can you? Yeah, okay. So, we had a fairly turbulent year last year in terms of uh, the management of the, the team I, I, I work for. So, yep. so, although I'm out here by myself, obviously, you know, I... I yeah, you know, someone has to take responsibility for me, and so um, I'm part of a team that's based in the ACT, but also takes in um, an office in Newcastle Great. and and some people in uh, Western New South Wales as well, like little one man shows like yeah. me. So anyway, our manager disappeared uh, from the organisation in about. Uh, late March, early April last year. He was made redundant or uh, fired or it's, literally vanished? She, well, <laughs> she resigned, but it's all very grey. Ooh, Barnaby Joyce grey? No, no, no. Just, okay. just I think, bad corporate culture grey, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Mm. I don't know. No idea. Anyway, uh, so that was all well and good. And... Uh, the responsibility of looking after our team was handed off to uh, another person who uh, had actually been our t- our manager probably twelve or thirteen years ago. Wow! Uh, like as an interim, basically oh, hand like, over. Yeah, you can. Yeah, as, as an interim now. because because there was no uh, there, there was no new manager for us in the wings. Yep. So that was fine, um, and he piled a few little extra tasks onto me. Um, <laughs> And you say the word grooming in your culture. <laughs> so, and, and this, was, this didn't seem too bad until um, that person then had some health problems and had to take uh, an extended leave of absence. Oh, yeah. 
and we were then passed over to uh, being looked after by a person who had never had anything to do with our team, and I, I don't know that they really understood all of what our team did. Isn't that and, the best? <laughs> and so then that that person then said, well, look, you're already doing these couple of things. How about you just look after this stuff as well? So I did. <laughs> At this point, I think, I think we can see who the bunny is, Mulk. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so th- this is all April. Our, yeah, April. Our new manager didn't start until early July <laughs> and was someone from outside the organisation. So you could probably guess that coming into a very, very large, very bureaucratic organisation uh, that runs... <laughs> He actually found a document about some of our internal process, like acronyms, oh, oh. and it was like eight pages long. Oh, oh <laughs> eight, man. Eight pages of acronyms, Mark. Um, and so he really you know, took some time to get his feet under the desk. And so when he first showed up, you know, they were said, okay, blah, blah, blah. And Dave's looking after this stuff for you for the time being. He's like, oh, okay, no worries. So he came to me and said, look, can you please just keep doing that while I you know, find out where the hell we're at? I'm like, sure. No worries, we can do that. This now, is like a slow descent into hell that Dante come up with. You know what it's like? It's like that. that it's like that song we used to sing on the bus at, at school when you're going off to sporting carnivals. You know, hi, my name is Joe. I've got a wife and three kids, and I work in the popper factory. One day, uh, my boss said, "Joe, are you busy?" I said, "No." He said, "Push this button with your right hand." So I did. No. That was my year, Mulk. Oh. <laughs> just kept saying, are you busy? I said, no. So I kept pushing more and more buttons. <laughs> uh, anyway, as well as our team having a bit, you know, some change with a new manager and whatnot, our organisation globally went through a, a, another restructure, having gone through many in the past five or six years. I'm starting to think that's their strength. <laughs> Listen, if you want someone to come in and consult about how to do a restructure, I think we could probably offer you that advice these days. <laughs> so anyway, it, as as a part of this, um, new org charts got sent out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll have a look at this and you know, figure out what's going on. And I get down to the org chart for our team, and there's me in the org chart, and, and next to me, all of a sudden it says team leader. <gasps> Dave, <laughs> congratulations! Now, Mark, <laughs> let, let, let me just... Clarify. It's a great way to find out about a promotion. <laughs> is it a promotion, Mulk? Let's is just it really? get Dave to do it for no extra money and all the extra responsibility. <laughs> and making everyone in the team hate you because you're oh, now the one going, right. guys, Who's just a reminder. This? Make sure you get your forms in. <laughs> you need your cover sheets on your TPS reports. Bingo, if you could bingo. do that, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm just going to move you down here, okay? <laughs> and I'm taking the stapler. <laughs> So, so that's how I found out. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Did, so, and, so, did then a another manager hurriedly kind of contacting, oh, Dave, look, we're really sorry to let you know, but how great, blah, blah, blah. Or did, was it just like now accepted? No, no, no. no, no, no. What they did was, 
<laughs> and this is the most diabolical part, Mog. This is the bit that made it really, really hard. They was sent it... you an all-staff email. No, no, it was worse. <laughs> no, no. Other than York chart, there was no sort of formal announcement. Um, no, what was worse was like senior managers higher up the tree kept, started chiming in and going, oh, look, you've been doing such a great job over the last couple of months and we really yep. appreciate the work. And on one hand, that's really lovely. But on the other hand, it's just like... like Oh, that's it now. I like. I'm in. Like, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Turn around and go. No, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, you can go and stick it. That's no. right. It wasn't even offered. It was just. It's a thing. <laughs> and the best part of this, in fact, it only could have been made better. As soon as the org chart was announced to released, for you to just start getting meeting requests <laughs> from these, you know, other managers that the team leader has to report to, and he's going, "What is this about?" I do. <laughs> God, I have so many meetings now, Mulk. I have meetings. I never used to get meetings. And I get email. I get so... I genuinely... You get use... copied in on stuff because oh. you'll need to know. Yeah. Or, 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 or I also have like a string of emails just with FYI. And it's oh. like... Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh. If like... I really needed to know, you would have put me in it on in the first instance. Oh, but they don't. They don't. And... and, and, and... We, I genuinely went from getting maybe between four and six emails a day, Malk, and of those, like three or four of them would be work. Uh, well, no, well, no, three or four of them would be like, like, just like bulletins. Yep. Uh, you know, like stuff you need to know, and then other stuff would be this is what's happening, like just following up on stuff that was actually happening. Yep. I, I've gone from that four to six to now being somewhere between 70 and 120 emails oh a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's driving me insane. Oh. It's driving me Congratulations, insane. Congratulations, Dave. Gore Crudger. Uh, <laughs> hang on. It's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> How many people are in your team that you're now the leader of? Uh, roughly a dozen. Wow. All in that region that you talked about. Yeah, well, there's a, mostly in ACT, and then we sort of spread around the other places. So um, when you go to Canberra now, you're yeah. the boss turning up, not just one of the guys. No, well, no, no, because we still have a boss. Yeah, but sure, but you're their no, boss. No, 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 no. I'm not their boss. I'm their leader, and <laughs> I've worked very, very hard. Very, very hard to draw a line there. I oh. hear that loud and clear. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, but uh, but no, it doesn't end there, though, Mark. <laughs> oh, please keep going. As team leader, are you responsible for their performance evaluation? Oh God, no, nothing like that. Oh, that's no, the, then thank that is God. you are in the best position. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's not too bad, but but no, no uh, hiring and firing. You excellent. No, none of that. None of that at all. But uh, in the midst of all this, though, um, we like because we've also had some turnover in um, like our account manager roles on on our, our in our part of the business. Yep, <laughs> and, and that'll so, happen. Sales roles, I like that. Oh no! They, well, these aren't sales. These are like service sure. delivery ones. No, 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 no. Service you de- can keep yeah. believing that, Dave. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. someone who's worked with account managers and service <laughs> delivery managers, they're sales jobs. So anyway, uh, because of that, uh, and because we now have a bit of a backlog of some of the, uh, the, the the project work that we're supposed to be doing, someone's gone. Do you think you could look after a couple of the customers oh, in camera? Oh, Dave. Yep. So I have gone from Steve 
a job where I used to run around with a screwdriver, mm. come home and do the ironing while I watch some Netflix. Amen. Yep. <laughs> which, which was great. Um, to a job where I, I'm actually like, well, I'm actually working like the whole time that I'm at work. <laughs> and, and, and listen, I, I know that that's what happens to normal people. Like I know that's what yes. proper jobs are supposed to be like, <laughs> but I've been habituated to not do that. <laughs> I have been taking like... Brother, <laughs> brother, I share your pain, right? I had a job for four and a half years where my boss was in Arizona and the CEO was in Calgary. Right, I, I was yeah. a diligent worker. I did everything that they wanted me to do, and then some. I made sure that stuff was ready at the date and time that they said they wanted it done by. Mm. Mm. Conveniently, <laughs> it also provided me the flexibility that if I needed to go and pick up the kids from school, be at a, an event with them that happened during business hours, Australian business hours, that was okay because I would just make it up, or I might have to be up for a meeting at six a.m. or something. Something, they were fine. They all finished their work day at about 10.30 in the morning Australian time. <laughs> they didn't work on my Monday. There's not a lot of accountability there, is there? That's great. It was very easy some days to go, I am logged on, like hovering over the keyboard waiting for an email to do stuff. And, oh, there's some television I can preview. Yep. So I, I hear you, dude. The catch is too that you've now gone from having you know some reasonable pr- productivity freedom within your role to now being, Dave. I sent you that email yesterday, and you still haven't got back to me. Um, what's going on? You know, and I yeah. really need your involvement in this. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Well, again, given the very reactive and crisis-based nature of my role, um, I, at least I, I, I don't get. So you're too still much... on the tools as well. Oh yeah. Oh great. <laughs> But but even the other stuff that I'm dealing with, a lot of the time it's just like you know, it it, it, it usually doesn't have a lot, uh, like enough time for that to become a problem because <laughs> like the sort of emails that I get are okay. We have this critical thing that needs to happen now, and we have absolutely no resources allowed to like available. Can to you just can you just conjure some up from somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> can can you be the person who makes the decision about? Like, who gets prioritised over who? Mm. <laughs> like, you have to be the first... Sure. And you're the guy that gets to say, look, I know it's going to cost us money, but the nature of this relationship or business contract is such that we have an issue in Newcastle and all of those guys are off doing things and this customer can't wait. So I'm getting someone from Canberra, Sydney, oh, elsewhere this... to get there to do it. Right, we... It's... Yeah, there's a... Yeah, it, you're hearing me, <laughs> or but I'm also the bad guy who has to call up someone who's supposed to be on training and go. Yep, you can't go, go to training. I'm really sorry, yeah, but yeah. you really need to do this. That Cisco course that you thought you were doing, guess what? Postpone it. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, brother. <sighs> like I. So that, that's the that's the way to make friends. But yeah, I, so it's 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 a whole new world, Mulk. It's a whole new world. Look, I can hear your responsibility just oozing um, in our conversation. <laughs> This is not who I was supposed to be. <laughs> You've made it to what, 44, 42? What are you? 40, 41. 41. There you go, Come 38. On. Um, you've made it to 41 and only now just started getting responsibility at work and you are reacting exactly as the teenager that you are. Um, it's petulant. What a responsibility. I just want to do my job. My job is easy to do stuff. It was a great job. It was such a good job, Mark. Yeah. Oh, mate, I have to say, the transition back into the normal workforce for me from amazing work from home job. Now, 
we've talked about the fact that when I would go away, I was going away for four to six to eight weeks at a time. Mm. So I was, and, and not, oh yeah, I can be back in an hour and a half, two hours, catch a plane, whatever. On the other side of the world, um, or plate, if you're a flat earther. Um, the, <laughs> I can't, oh, we need to talk about those people. Um, so it was, there was some downsides. I, I went and I worked and I did all of the things and that was fine. But to, if I had to go back to a, air quotes, normal office job, Dave, after that, I would have necked myself. It would have just killed me. It's been difficult enough, but I have enjoyed it and loved it. Going to work for the church where a large proportion of my job is relationship building. As an extrovert, that just pushes all of the buttons that I have. And it means that, yeah, sure, we can meet for coffee. Let's go have a talk about stuff. I want to hear about you. I want to invest in and encourage and be a cheerleader for you. So let's spend a couple of hours talking about what you're doing. That's amazing. And I'm at work, but I'm not in the office at work. I have to be at work and do stuff, and I'm fine doing that and all of those sorts of things. The other real benefit is that in my job, I have the word digital in my title. <laughs> so it means, like what happened on Friday this week, we had, we had guys coming to fix the guttering at our place. Um, that's the day that Michelle works, one of the days. So I'll, is it okay? I'll need to work from home. I've got you know, a video that I need to edit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I did. It was the best. Nice. I'd forgotten how much fun it is working from home. It, look, it, it when you don't have a million emails a day. <laughs> when you don't have a million emails, ah, oh, I, I, oh. I'll, I'll tell you how bad it's become, Steve. This Just, is how bad. This before, is how bad. Before we go to the bad stuff, let's quickly talk good stuff. Okay. Were the rest of the guys in your people, sorry, in your team, okay with it? Well, well, it, <laughs> is that a good, bad of, stuff column? No, no, it kind of happened by stealth to them too, like because <laughs> sure. you know but they'd have an opinion. <laughs> Yeah, look, no, look, they did. I, I was in Canberra a couple of weeks ago and had beers with a couple of the guys there, and they were they were very happy with how everything was working. So they were guardedly laughing at all of your jokes in a way that <laughs> was naturally loud. No, no. <laughs> oh, no. Some of them would tell me quite bluntly if they thought that things weren't being Good. done correctly. And uh, no, everyone's, everyone seems to be pretty happy. Um, did but, they give you a pay rise? Well, see, here's the thing. Oh. Well, yes, which was very nice. Um, uh, but it and, moved Jujin into a different tax bracket. Which no, 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 no. That, 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 that's a myth. But the only people who, who say that going into a new tax bracket ruins you is people who don't understand how progressive taxation works. Oh, look, yes, and I, <laughs> I understand how it works. However, I will say that if you are under said tax bracket, like the next one, like just under, and then you go just over it, you don't see a whole bunch of that pay rise. Well, you'd see enough. Uh, you're better than it's better than not getting it. If if the, if the line is eighty grand and you're on seventy nine and you move to eighty one, it, look, it, a, an extra cup of coffee a week is great, but that's all oh, it's going to be. Oh, I, look, I, wait, it, it's too Saturday for me to check your maths, but, <laughs> I, but I, I think you're overstating it. You've got to push a little further into the tax bracket to get the benefit. That's all I'm saying. Keep going. But anyway, but, but see, but he, so here's the thing: the, the the pay rise didn't come with the role. The pay rise mm-hmm. came with my performance review right. at the end of the year, which when they knew that you were getting the role, yes, <laughs> which is when I'd already moved into the role. But so, that's really important because it means for them that the role isn't linked to a specific pay well, bracket. Well, well, no, it's not. Well, it's not because it, see, here's the thing: it's. Uh, there's a very big difference between... It's an arbitrary role that's rostered. Well, the, 
See, there's a big difference between the org chart mm-hmm. and what HR says. Like, HR and the org chart have nothing in common. All right. <laughs> so, time, time, time. Flag on the play. <laughs> that is broken. No, no, it's great. Because... No, no, no listen. It's great. Because um, if... Because I'm still classified just as a person who's on the tools, according to uh, uh, HR. So the upside to that yeah. is that it means that I still get all my overtime right. and that's I all get good. All, all my allowances and all these little bits and pieces. And you are on the tools, so that's I fair. am, I am. This is, this is true. But the thing is, like, you know, if you move into like uh, this grey area that they, they, they may call management, then all of a sudden there's lots of goodies that would disappear and I want no part of that whatsoever. Oh, well, see, this is what I'm going to say to you, that, that your HR view of this is broken. And a big shout-out to uh, someone who I know listens into our conversations who works in HR, who will probably correct me on Twitter when I say what I'm about to say. (laughs) The ability to define a role and match it to a remuneration scale in some regard can can make the whole thing really easy because it means that for the line managers that have to say, well, Dave, we want you to be the team leader, we acknowledge this extra responsibility. There's a little bit of a kick to it, but we also acknowledge that you're still on the tools, so you don't lose any of the other benefits. You know, like it's it's a that thing. If it, if if you were to move to be the manager of that group, yeah, it's a totally different thing because now you're meeting clients or you're doing stuff, you're, you're writing reports. You're not on the tools. You're not in the field, so it makes sense that you don't get the overtime and the tools allowances and all those sorts of bits. I get it. Um, it's in my opinion very sneaky to not align the org chart with. Um, like a remuneration scale. Look, that's I, a bit I, uncool. I, I hear you, but you. <laughs> I, I also work for a business where we're still running off our 2002 EBA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember you saying that. That's so, nasty. You know, <laughs> there's. Mm, look, <laughs> at this point, you just take what you can get and mm. be thankful. I'll copy that. I worked for a company that was a school um, that had instituted a, un- pardon me, unlimited sick leave policy. Oh. Now, the way that worked is that they had they took out uh, an insurance policy on the staff. Yeah. So everyone got their ten days sick leave gratis. That was part of the deal. Of course, it had, you know, the EBA test has to be that you can't be disadvantaged mm-hmm. compared to the the letter of the law. Um, but what they did was that the board chose to institute this policy where um, it meant that if you, for example, fell sick, like significantly ill that this could then be instituted and implemented and you would get 75% of your pay while you were off sick. And of course, you had to jump through the doctor hoops and all, you know, answer the questions, can you come back to work on reduced duties, all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But in the time that I was there, and this was a staff of, I'm going to say, easy, uh, 100, 150 people. Two people took advantage of it. Like as in used it, not took advantage, but used it. Sure. And it was significantly beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our EBA negotiations, we just write, well, this is the base. This is where we start. And one year, um, I was a part of them and the and the, the, the board slash company came at us and said, hey, look, we you know, we acknowledge things are changing. We, we, we'd like to talk about removing this. Everybody on the staff side just went, nope, that is not a thing. We're not getting rid of that. We're hap- we'll happily talk about other things that you want to do and we understand it's give and take. But that was so important to some people. I know that one person that was working there was 
benefiting from the insurance policy that the company, the the school was paying for, for two and a half years. Because they came down with something. Like, something that just, yeah, I can't, I think it was cancer or something, something. Um, But yeah, the surety that it brought to their family... um, and it, the the goodwill that they had for their employer, they wanted to come back to work. At the end of that time, they, they did get better in return. They were telling the doctors, I'm fine, let me go to work. And they're like, oh, I think we need to just keep an eye on you. We, you know, there's still this and, you know, you, you run out of energy a bit quick because of what happened and blah, blah, blah. And they were almost piff, you know, whatever. Um, but the reality is that that person went back to work and it was amazing. There are other people I know that get that and have to resign and draw on their super and all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, end up either getting better and or worse, poor. Like mm. with any savings diminished, with no job to return to, with their super that they were looking forward to, it just, it's diabolical, Dave. And I know that not every workplace can do it, but I am a massive fan of the effort that goes into negotiating enterprise bargaining agreements and the when both sides are proactive about trying to make it work best for the company and the employee. Yeah, part of our challenge is, again, because we're in IT and we're, we're all these rugged individualists, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I think... Uh, uh, so we're covered by uh, uh, the Australian Services Union. Yes. Um, and... Uh, Company-wide in Australia, on last check, <laughs> the ASU, uh, the membership of, of the union in our company was me and one of the guys in Newcastle. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, we don't have a lot of, uh, you know, leverage to, to, to start talking about a new EBA. <laughs> and that's a difficult <laughs> I, I acknowledge. However, should that land on the table, we are going to do this. A quick phone call to the union radically, oh, yeah. radically transforms everything. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, I just, you know, I don't think that uh, that's it's going to change anytime soon. Like, I mean, the whole reason we had an EBA at the time was because we didn't really have a choice. Like, we needed to put something in place. Um, and again, we are, uh, you know, we are just a local offshoot uh, of an American multinational, and so. Yeah, all of our policies are effectively set yeah. um, based on uh, what the mothership wants. Yeah, um, acknowledging the law of the land and the stuff. They yeah, have to e- exactly. So, like, so you guys would get more holiday than, holidays than your American counterparts. Oh, for not, example. Not, not just that. We also survived the global financial crisis better mm-hmm. than our, our American counterparts, who uh, had an enforced. Uh, I think it was uh, an enforced ten percent. Oh, pay cut. Pay cut. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that I'm sure hasn't come back yet. I, I would be amazed if it has. Uh, By and, the way, I think we're staring down the sequel this week. Oh, God. I'd... Well, isn't it, uh, isn't it a good thing that we have the steady hand oh, of Scott God. Morrison and Donald Trump? Oh, just... <laughs> oh, boy. If only they could shut down the, the government here as easily as they have in America <laughs> twice. Oh, Twice boy. in a month. Uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, Do you want another thing? Yeah, I've got sure. a friend who is an Anglican priest in mm-hmm. Perth, and he has been treated very shabbily 
by his archdiocese. He's currently on fully paid leave, but uh, and which is the congregation that he works in, the parish that he works in, is paying for. They have to pay his wage because he's on leave with full pay because he's been suspended by the archdiocese for breaching... Um, effectively breaching their social media guidelines is as best that I can tell. However, the charges, the accusations against him haven't been outlined properly or brought before the Professional Standards Committee yet, and we're pushing 15 months. Whoa! It's ludicrous. He is, he's got a lawyer, he's angry in, in the best possible way, in that he is fighting the power but still loves all of the people in his congregation because they are standing by him 100%. It's really great. Um, but he, he's kind of become a bit of the pinup boy for the fact that within church circles, there is no union. <laughs> no, this is very true. So guess what's starting? <laughs> Are you kidding? I kid you not. <laughs> oh boy. Because, That's and, and I acknowledge that different churches, different denominations, um, deal with and, and, uh, pay their staff differently in different scenarios. So it is going to be difficult to wade through some of the how we remunerate an Anglican priest versus how we remunerate a Catholic priest, priest pardon me, versus how we remunerate a United Church minister. Do you, do you have to pay fringe benefits tax on getting your parishioners to come in and clean your house for free? Um, I don't know, <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to know, but I did learn some very horrible stuff from a couple of ministers just the other week about they're like they've got FBT allowances and what they can apportion to them and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's become a minefield for them. <laughs> like seriously, it's become a minefield. It used to be. I was just trying to make a joke, Steve. Oh no, no, no. It's, it's well, we we've talked about the fact that in 1994, um, I worked for the church in a volunteer sacrificial role. Did we talk yeah. about that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We must have, because I talked about the fact that I live with a clown for six months. <laughs> or am I thinking of another podcast? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we can talk about patches some other time. Um, no, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've heard about patches. Oh, we de- put patches on the wall. It's okay. a delight for patches and the bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's as fun as it sounds. And the bear. And the bear. Um, and anyway, I did that, and, and the like. they paid me nothing. It was a sacrificial thing, but I was supported by the community. And the things that the church who I was working with ensured was that I had a place to stay, I had a full belly, um, uh, and that my car was maintained and fueled. This sounds like one of those backpacker scams that they do in Thailand where they say you're a volunteer, but you end up basically as a like unpaid tour guide. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> but I loved it. It was amazing and all of those sorts of things. So, But back then, it was like, here's the fuel card, fill your car up. You know, keep track of your personal kilometres so that we can, you know, deal with all of that. But otherwise, blah, blah, blah. No troubles. I thought that was, admittedly, 1994, 2018, a little bit of difference, a couple of changes (laughs) in the tax law. We'll see how we go. But I thought that broadly because the the cars at work have a fuel card, you do the same thing. No, it turns out. um, You get a fuel allowance as a minister and you have to manage that. How you manage that, I don't know. Um, Because... Most ministers drive around a bit to go and see people and be at meetings and get involved in community stuff and do all sorts of things. You know, it's not money for for gravy. It's you spend that money on your car and there's no way it would match up. So 
the only thing I know is that they do get a uh, like a written into United Church policy a two percent increase every year. So at some point, they'll eventually get up to a hundred thousand dollars. They're nowhere near that now. <laughs> I think in about a hundred years' time, they'll get up to a hundred thousand dollars. Of course. Um, but you know, it's weird. Like this, this whole the way that the finances because particularly like I'll talk about the United Church context. That's the one I know. Um, our ministers aren't paid a wage or a salary, they're paid a stipend. Now, that's mm-hmm. a very different legal tax understanding of what a stipend is. My very loose, not very educated version is that basically they're seeing this as a gift. This is a gift being given to you because of the nature of your role, the fact that it's in ministry, and of course the wonderful tax laws that, that burden themselves back into our deep knowledge that Australia is a Christian country. <laughs> Uh, uh, as much as Scott Morrison would want it to be like that. Mm. Um, so it means that um, there are all sorts of weird tax benefits around, the, around how things play out, not unlike a charity, uh, except that as a stipend, it's taxed differently, I think. Um, so they get a slightly different tax rate to us because, um, and again, because it's a gift, it's not like they say, well, you only work 40 hours a week. This is the, the kicker. As a minister, this week you might do 90, next week you might do 10. No minister I ever know has done 10. Um, but, you know, you can get the phone call at 2 in the morning. You know, come and give the last rites to a, a person who's dying in hospital. Or a family, you know, knocks on the door, we need some food, how can you help us? It, it, it's kind, it happens. Stuff that normal people in normal 9 to 5 jobs don't have to deal with, ministers have to deal with. Um so it's kind of that trade-off in that regard, but it's just this weird, murky, yeah. No no one in, in, in the Uniting Church, no one is going to become rich being a Uniting Church minister. There are lots of denominations you can go and be a part of and go become very rich. Hillsong! <coughs> you've Sorry. got a bad cough there. I thought... <laughs> I do. Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about, but some Pentecostal <laughs> Sydney church is a great example. Um... It, it's kind of... Is it really a church, Steve? <laughs> like, isn't it a pyramid scheme? <laughs> a church in sheep's clothing. Um, like... <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Hillsong's a great example, Dave, because, you know, Brian and Bobby Houston, the people who founded it and are still senior pastors of Hillsong Global, um, make a lot of uh, noise about the fact that they don't take a salary from Hillsong. And that is... <laughs> that is, Dave. That, that is true. Very is technically true. correct. <laughs> yes. Very technically correct. Indeed. The um, management organisation that they are partners in and board members of invoices Hillsong every month for services delivered by the company, which they, I think, are the sole beneficiaries of. <laughs> so the company they work for pays them, but the company invoices Hillsong for services rendered by their employee. Yeah, you know how it works. I do. Plus, well- <laughs> free reign to sell books. An international unwritten uh, understanding that if I come and preach at your church, there will be a love offering and a minimum bequest of such and such money as a gift. Exactly, like like tax that, free gift. That is the the 
I won't say best part of the scam because it's bloody. It's, I got to tell you, brother, it's, it's a shocker. But it, it's that's it's the very, scam very, I want to get involved in. It's very very clever. It's just like yeah, you know, my my church does doesn't uh, doesn't pay me anything. But I'm going to go and visit twelve other churches this year, uh. all of whom are going to give me a great big gift. And in the meantime, uh, all of the, the uh, heads of those twelve churches will at some point visit mine, and we'll Bingo. give them we'll give them a great big Bingo. gift. Bingo! It is. It's a, it's a Bingo. scam. Bingo. <laughs> um, and I've got to say that it's when those so 12 dodgy. churches give us a gift, there is, again, an unwritten competition as to who gives us the best gift, who blesses us <laughs> of, the most. Of, of course there is. Of course um, there is. Now, I, can I put my uncynical hat on for a second? Sure. Go right ahead. There are legitimately people who could benefit from this, who have a ministry that is itinerant or connected to a struggling smaller church that take that money that they're given and plow it back into... The, the community that they're involved in. Because <laughs> they... So what you're saying is that they don't try and like uh, fix the ARIA charts once a year <laughs> to have the biggest selling single one week. Or the Grammys, Dave. <laughs> oh, the gra- oh, God! They won a Grammy, Oh, no. <laughs> Look, the only upside to that is, you know, my, my, most of my knowledge of the Grammys comes from The Simpsons. <laughs> where, 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 where no one even wanted the B-sharps Grammy. Oh, it was like... Right. Homer tries to tip the bellhop who brought up some like dinner. And he's like, oh, it's a Grammy and chucks it out the window. Oh, so good. The Simpsons are way ahead of their time still. Oh, boy. So it's crazy. But there are people that, that are taking that money that are, that are on the fringe of that. Because if you're in deep, you're not... You know, you're not going back to a, a poor community or a small church. No. You know, you're... you're no. or, or, or to a group that is, you know, living out what the Bible talks about when it says feed the poor, clothe, you know, those that need it, care for the, the disenfranchised. Um, there are There is a radical push within even American Christianity to support these people who just don't take the cash. Um, so, there's, yeah, these people that do it. And they then just go, here, community, here is the money that I earned, talking about what it is God's doing with us, and the community benefits from it. And these people are inspiring and encouraging, and I read their stuff, and I hear what they're saying, and and that really rings bells and aligns with me on how I understand what Jesus wants me to do. Some of the stuff that of the people that are connected to either the global Pentecostal conspiracy um, or dare Conspiracy. I say it, ooh, hello, the gloves are off now. <laughs> dare I say it even worse, the evangelicals that have decided that Trump is ordained by God to be the president. How do you even sweet do Jesus, that? The How son you... of Billy Graham <laughs> is leading this push. And I have to say, his father would be mortified. Now, yeah, I've look... never met either of them. <laughs> Billy Graham said some amazing things and wrote some amazing things and people can question the rules that he had around the way that he worked with women and all sorts of stuff. He was a man of integrity who did what he said and said what he believed God wanted him to say. His son has managed to be corrupted by the business of Christianity and it's abhorrent. It's, it's all pretty gross. <laughs> I- oh, I hope he's listening. I know he's not. But Franklin, <laughs> Franklin, buddy, chill out. I mean... I mean- uh, especially given how vehemently uh, this same self-identified evangelical group uh, opposed oh. Bar- Barack Obama, you, you, you know, Steve, it's almost like they're just a bunch of fucking racists. 
Did you see? I'm not sure who it was. I, but I can't see. Any, I can't yeah. see any other logic. I hear you, brother. Did you see? There was somebody standing at the the, the White House press office lectern, defending somebody. Like a journalist said to them or countered them to, with what they were saying about immigration, and and they said, "But the Statue of Liberty has on the book that it holds. Give me your weak, your poor, your huddled masses." Um, and do you know what that representative of the American government and president said? I do not, Steve, because I've been very good at, at, at tuning, <laughs> tuning oh, him out. Then I've just taken that in, let me tell you. I'm doing it for you. Um, it wasn't there when we got the statue. It was added later. Because <laughs> that makes a difference. Not only does it not make a difference, it's false. <laughs> of course! The gift from... Um, um, look, I don't know. It was a it's European country, thank you, that gave that to America... At a time when America was the focus of a ton of refugees and immigrants coming into the country because it was the place that offered so much hope that anybody could come to America, start a new life and be successful. And that has been the basis of America since white men turned up and killed a whole bunch of natives. That's just uh. how it's been. And what it is now, however, is a far, far, far removed idealistic understanding of what that was. Do you like the Godfather? Take him to the mattresses. I believe in America. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> like, there we go. Doesn't that set a... That really, like, sets a tone. I mean, that movie already is about a time and a place. Yep. But if ever you wanted to go, wow, things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> the immigrant sitting down going, I believe in America. <laughs> well, not with I see... <sighs> with ICE in your bloody neighbourhood these days. No siree. No. Mate, somebody called out the president after he congratulated Elon Musk and SpaceX on their incredible feat of not only putting a car in space and look, okay, maybe the maths were a bit wrong and they overshot Mars. There's a car in space, Dave. <laughs> like a human drivable car in space. Um, but that the booster rockets that got the, the main payload into space returned and landed safely. And they looked very cool doing so. Oh, the talk is that within some short period of time, they'll be turned. They can turn them around in a day, reusable inside a day. That sounds risky, but we, we, but, <laughs> but we are we are like honestly in my lifetime now, getting close to the opportunity of just space travel. Us just getting in a thing and going somewhere. Yeah, look, I have a feeling that um, it's it, it's going to be. Uh, Brian and Bobby Houston will be on that list before oh. we, we are. Gosh, if I, they convert Elon Musk, we're all screwed. <laughs> Look, let's be honest. Elon Musk is already problematic to start with. There's no question. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, I, like, I'm really excited about the SpaceX stuff. I, I, I don't follow it uh, as closely as uh, a lot of people that I know do, but I do, I do find it exciting because, you know, I, yeah. I am... I am one of those Columbia kids. Like I, yep. I, I was you know, one of those kids who would get up and watch space shuttle yep. launches and landings and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, uh, yeah, like the Challenger disaster is, is still like a defining moment uh, of yep. of my childhood. So you know, I, I get it and, and I, I do love it. Um, but if we can just do it without canonizing Elon Musk, just oh, for sure, ju- just yet. <laughs> The, the, the hook is the hook is though for all of his faults and foibles, and there are many. This is this is a multi-millionaire who has put his money legitimately where his mouth is. I think we're going to do this. Let's do this, and worked this hard is and, true. 
and and you know fobbed off the Russian government when he went to buy, um, uh, you know, decommissioned ICBMs to start his his space program. <laughs> just went no no we can do it cheaper. Like when he went to buy them, they said eight million, and they were teasing him. He was like nah, see you later. We'll we'll do it cheaper ourselves. Bye. It took some years, but he did it. And in the meantime, has progressed the opportunity around the science of it and the opportunity for mankind to expand our knowledge of space in the most incredible way and proven, flat earthers, that the world is round. It's a globe. It's a ball hanging in space. Elon's just part of the conspiracy. I hope so. I hope he's like, look, I took a photo and it's just a round circle. Uh, look, there's only one thing that, that sort of... I had some questions about though, Steve. Sure. And I, I saw it reported that um, that the uh, Elon Musk's Tesla yes. was was playing David Bowie's Starman. Space Oddity. Yep. Oh, Space was playing Space Oddity. Was it okay, Steve? Yeah, Dave. Now, <laughs> I don't want to go all Neil deGrasse Tyson here. <laughs> Can we? But well, probably not, <laughs> because I still have a sense of wonder. Um, <laughs> But how would you know if his Tesla is playing music when it's in space? That is a very that is a very great, very real question, Dave, and I'm glad that you asked it. Well done. Um, in part, we don't. So what? So see, see, here's where here's where this is where all this round Earth thing falls to pieces, Steve. Because if we can't prove that Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster was playing David Bowie on the stereo. Mm-hmm. How can we prove that it was actually, you know, going round around Earth? Let's be—I mean, if you if you can if you, you if you're willing to fake fake the music, what what like what won't you fake? That's what I'm asking. Mm, everything. <laughs> I hope they fake everything. <laughs> to to tie this back together, um, <laughs> oh, I had my review this week. Oh, sorry, that's right. You- <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we had a point. Um, no, we never have a point. We barely uh, managed to tie things back. I just want to tell you this, though, that yeah, it doesn't t- slide into next time, which, given our current efficiency and your new job, <laughs> means that we're not talking as often as we should be. Uh, we'll have to fix that. Um, I was dreading it. It was Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, I was dark all day. I was just like, oh, I hate these things. Just try. I kept myself busy. I had stuff to do, but I also just invented some busy work. And, and hang on, so let, let, just back up for a sec. Mm. Was your performance review being uh, given to you by uh, old mate who, like Mister? Oh, we need to have a talk on Friday afternoon. Why don't you come in? Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> is it that dude or is it someone else? Almost. Oh, right. Um, I look the, the the relationship that I have with my current manager, line manager, is. Patchy, so you know. Sometimes it's really great, and sometimes it's like I have no idea who you are or how you came up with that decision. I don't know what's going on. What's the mm. thing? You know, like in a meeting that we had the week before last, he just said something that just seemed inconsistent with not just my role but everything, everything that we are about. And I was went, "Oh, did I mishear that? That doesn't make sense." So oh, Tuesday. Boy. Dark all day. Wednesday was meant to be 10 o'clock. At half past nine, his PA spots in and says, oh, look, you know, someone wants to have a chat with... with um, Barry. A guy. Yeah, with Barry. So we'll have to slide your meeting back to 11 o'clock. Oh, man. Okay, sure. No, it's not a problem. Wait, blah, blah, blah. 
I've had some bad reviews in my time, Dave. Um, I've experienced pain. I know what they look like. I've I've probably had a couple of good ones. Um, And that's why I say, I own the fact that I know I can do bad things or have not performed the way I should. I'm happy to deal with that. And I'm confident that any time anyone has raised those things, I have worked hard to address them. Like, that's that's not a problem. So I was thinking this is just going to be grey. Add to that that the job that I'm in is a two-year contract mm-hmm. that ends December this year. Ooh, yep. Um, now there's a caveat. Welcome to Church World. I have a full-time job with the office. Mm-hmm. I'm just in this project for two years. Now that's not to say the project wouldn't be renewed or extended or changed, um, or that they might go. Yeah, no, we're done with that. That hasn't worked out for us. How about this other job, Mulk, which I may love, or they may just give me pointless busy work until I resign, or they may make me redundant, which is not very much money that they need to give me to make that be a thing. Mm. Um, so it's it's not sketchy on their part. They're playing a straight bat, but I'm like, oh man, you know, I could be unemployed again come January. I don't want that. Um, so that's all hanging over me as well. What's happening with my job? How's this going to be? Come in and sit down, and we talk about last year. And he's really positive. And he said, oh, you know, when you did this, this was really great. And, you know, the examples, like, we're going through, because we have to write how we're going to work aligned to the values of the organization. Mm-hmm. And so do you write down, oh, I'm going to do this. And he said, yeah, yeah, when you did this, that was really good. And this is a great example of you doing that. And I, was, I have to say, Dave, I was taken aback. I'm like, this is surprisingly good, and I don't know who you are and what you've done with my boss, um, but can I have you more often, please? And then I thought, there's got to be a but, there's got to be a sting in the tail. And even when there was a hint of a but, the acknowledgement and the way that he shared it and sold it was, I know you are already working on and, and, and processing this, so this is a good thing. I know that I also need to do, like his acknowledgement that I also need to do this in conjunction with you so that we both get the best outcome. What? <laughs> so. This is sounding pretty positive, Molg. Mate, it I'm, was. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still here a little bit nervous. In the ledger of bad reviews to good reviews, this put a little bean in the good review pile. Oh, that's nice. It, it turned out to be a super positive experience. My boss was really great. Um,. Even to the point where he acknowledged, let's have a look at your position description, because one, what you're doing has kind of grown and developed beyond this, and your PD should reflect what you're actually doing, not what this thing, air quotes, restricts you to. And that also opens up and offers me a freedom to do some of the stuff that I love doing anyway. And two, I asked him, what about the project nature? He said, yeah, yeah, no, I think we need to get get this out of it being a project and turn it just into a business as usual role, because that's... Sweet. Oh, dude, like two ding-dings, right? Incredible. So he said, I'll review your PD and get back to you. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll get something in a month. He's a busy guy. I have a new copy, draft copy of the PD in my email as of Monday morning. Oh, sorry, Friday morning. So I just need to review it now and say, hey, what about this? Or I think that's great and blah, blah, blah. And then I don't know how long it takes to implement the changes. But whole new world. Stephen Mulk, permanent salary man. It's it's and the things that he was saying. Oh no, I don't think you should do new role. Is like that's what you need to be doing. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm just stoked about it. It's really really great. 
Well, that's a good start. Oh. Yeah, it's a Work. heck of a start to the year, mate, let Work. me tell you. Working men. <laughs> you and me. Look, Look at us. That. Look at us go. <laughs> Being all responsible and things. Yeah. Email. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was working for a mining services company, not the one that most recently, but back back a bit, um, we had an incident where somebody sent an all-staff, but not like a, a, a CEO or the PA or whatever, a normal human, all-staff, something about parking. And because of the nature of our business, there was easily over half the company work on mine sites or not in the Brisbane office. <laughs> and there were a few terse responses. What the f- am I getting this? What's this bullshit? Blah, blah, blah. So I got a reasonably terse um <laughs> PA come in, how come these people can just send this email? And I went, because by default, all stuff email is for everybody to send to. That's the nature of distribution lists. We have to lock this down. <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed to send all stuff emails. I said, so who should? Um, the CEO. I said, great. What about you? Of course me. Well, that's not what you just said. Um, so I said, <laughs> go away, come back, tell me, give me direct express instructions of who you want to be able to use. I need what. a list. <laughs> That's right. A list of people that can use distribution lists. And within an hour, I had that list. And within an hour, not everyone could just send to the all staff email address. But you know what they could do, Dave? <laughs> they could reply to all staff. <laughs> it was delightful. It was delightful. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, like so much pain. So you, good. You were just an agent of chaos, Stephen Mollick. <laughs> it wasn't me. I didn't do it the first time. <laughs> no, but you let it happen. <laughs> Mate, the, the sheer look of terror that came across uh, one executive's face at a company that I worked for, where I showed them, in an example, I was training them of something, how I could access their email. He freaked out. He said, you should be able to do that. I said, it's my job to manage the email server. If I can't manage, if I can't do this, not that, like, you have to trust me that I don't jump in and look at your email. If I can't do this, our email service stops working. It's not good enough. He went away and complained to the CEO, blah, blah, blah. The CEO came back, look, this guy's a little touchy. It's probably a judgment, a misjudgment, yeah, misjudgment to, to show him that you could do this in explaining to him how his thing works. He probably hasn't realised that he should carry on his affairs using a Gmail account. Bingo, bango. Because <laughs> that's it. That's always the problem, isn't it? When someone is upset about someone else being able to see their stuff, it's because they are hiding something. Oh, God, yeah. In a, in a company, in an organisation context, it's because they are doing something they know they shouldn't be doing, Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, <laughs> Did you, did you see today's revelation that uh, he's got a, a tax-free... Uh, oh, sorry, not tax-free. He's got a like a free uh, pad in Armadale where he's been living for the last six months. Uh, it's been generously donated to him and his new partner. Get the fuck out. Are you serious? By, yeah, yes. Uh, and he declared it, um, but not who it was from. Well, it's come out it's from a local businessman in Armadale slash Tamworth who... Uh, who was previously, uh, it was suggested, I don't you know, it was suggested that he had uh, allegedly attempted to bribe Tony Windsor to get him to drop out of federal <sighs> politics. Oh my gosh. <laughs> allegedly. The most uh, frustrating <laughs> thing about this entire Joyce thing is that it was the worst open secret 
in yes. politics in Canberra and in Tamworth Armadale. Um, in fact, when the by-election happened last year, a couple of things happened, Dave. One, his daughter drove around Tamworth with a megaphone shouting that her dad was sleeping with his mistress. Now, that's been denied. Not that I'm saying it didn't happen, but it's been denied. Oh. But, that's the, but that's hardly the only incident of there's something a bit sus going on here. Mm. The other mm. thing is uh, that Shari Markson wrote a, um, uh, a piece saying at the time that it was all spurious rumour. She's the one that wrote the article this she's, week, she's outing his for your, outing his girlfriend. Oh, Spurious boy. rumor, Dave. Mm, mm. See, Steve, did you just get the 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 uh, the impression that, that, <laughs> that no one in a position of power or responsibility actually cares oh. for any any kind of rules or or, or conventions anymore? Like it's just like meh. Settle back, friends. We've got to the political part of the show. <laughs> Um, I, I got to I got to tell you, Dave, that there are lots of conversation this week about Barnaby Joyce, about what he's done, the fact that he, um, you know, in his campaign pushed traditional family values. Imagine, imagine being his family who had to move from St George to Tamworth oh, because be, because he wanted to go from being a senator to being in the lower house, so he could be deputy PM. Yeah, so he could be deputy PM, only for him to then like walk out on the family. Like that's yeah, yeah. There's a lot of layers of stuff there, isn't there? there? There's a lot to unpack, and 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 here's the thing: like Barnaby Joyce. Uh, there have always been uh, like questions about some of his choices that he's made, and, and, and little bits and pieces that, that have often just been ruled, you know, off the table or out of yep. order. Uh, do you, do you think like I mean like a, a, an obvious one is um, the scrub land that he bought out in the Pilliga, <laughs> yes, which is near where Santos wanted to do a coal seam yep. gas project. <laughs> do you think he's coincidence? Wife- do you think, well, yeah, but do you think his now ex-wife might know <laughs> why he wanted to buy that land? Like after years of him denying that he was you know, that he was like setting it up to sell it to someone for coal seam gas extraction, do you reckon his wife would know whether that's true or not? <laughs> like, do you reckon that? that uh, I mean, right now I can imagine the last thing she's going to want to do is talk to any journos or anything mm-hmm. like that, and that is completely understandable. Yep. Uh, but do you think she's going to feel like that in six months' time, or I in reckon twelve about months' the, time, about or? the time that they're negotiating their divorce settlement? <laughs> that would be the time that I would be wanting to talk to someone. Oh boy, mate! Oh boy, there are a what few a absolutes mess. in this for me. One, the private lives of politicians aren't our business until they act in a way that is contrary to that which they push on us. So if they, like Barnaby, campaign for family values and then act in a way that isn't around family values, traditional family values, free game. However, the lady in question, I would say, isn't a part of what is public, you know, not not public access. Except. Except that. Except that's right. Like if, if it was he was having an affair with someone in town. Well, hang on. Yeah. It, it, it's very, very different if uh, he started a relationship with someone he'd met in Tamworth versus... The butcher's wife, for example. Versus... And the butcher is not a donor. Versus someone who works for him... Oh, my God. 
Who, and, and it was pointed out that that was a problem, so she was shifted into a very high-paid oh. job in a mate's office. Yeah, that's right. A job that had been made redundant that was reignited for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so All of a sudden, that's 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 not private life anymore. No, <laughs> that's, that's exactly... That's a scam. This becomes the problem. That's right. When, when it's A, and it expands into B, C, D, and E, guess what is all public, you know, like, of the public interest? A, B, C, D, and E. It's, it's diabolical. And you know, you know what's even better? Is the circus that, that, that this is, and, and look, I, I don't mean this um, disrespectfully, they're about to bring a child into this world, that child needs its anonymity and the opportunity to grow up being loved by its parents, I hope. The, the woman, the young lady, Barnaby's new partner, um, her estranged father, lives in Queensland. So guess what Channel 7 in Queensland did? I saw. Oh my God. They arranged to meet him and interview him and he was the redneckiest redneck (laughs) from Hicksville with all of the... He he just kept saying sound bites. He didn't stop. And and they didn't stop filming. And you've got to think that uh, when someone from North Queensland isn't down with Barnaby Joyce, the leader of the National Party, <laughs> you're straying into some cataresque weirdness, really, aren't you? Oh, to, the, to the point where you would ask, well, in, in that kind of way that the question doesn't need answering, so why again did Barnaby move to New South Wales? Was it that maybe he'd become disenfranchised with his supporter base? I don't know. No, it was. It was just that you know he thought that that was a plum opportunity to, to oh, 100%. move into lower house. As simple as that. I mean, well, well, mind the, you, mind you. But this is the catch: there wasn't an opportunity for him in Queensland. No, because how many nationally like seats yeah. are held by the National Party in Queensland? Mm. See, here's the other thing, though: is uh, the, the, so when, when he moved back to Armadale, oh sorry, to Tamworth, made a big um, you know, song and dance about oh no no the you know come from New South Wales, blah, blah, blah. This is a homecoming. But the bastard still wears a Queensland jersey at State of Origin oh. time. And when they play the, the you know parliamentary game of rugby union or league or whatever it is in winter. Yeah. Not cool. No, Not cool. This is like... So, you know, he, he was bloody a blowing in Queensland for starters and now he's still sticking with them now that he's moved back to New South Wales. Like, ah, oh, pathetic. No Guess good what? at all. What? We don't want him. He's, he's all yours. <laughs> no, he's got nothing to do with us except for maybe his <laughs> land holdings. Oh, dear. He renounced his citizenship when he moved to New South Wales. Yeah, I'm afraid that's not how it works. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Have you been feeling very Olympic? Uh, you know, we saw on the TV guide last night, it said, oh, the opening ceremony, we're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, sure, no worries. And we flipped over. And saw a lot of Channel 7 promos, and then just when it, it sort of started doing something vaguely like interesting, bringing athletes into the into the uh, stadium, which seemed to happen very early in proceedings, mm. um, we were just like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, look, um, I mean, er- everyone knows, I mean, er- everyone knows that the uh, Winter Olympics are the, the poor cousin of the Summer Games. I mean, anyone who wants to pretend otherwise yep. is just fooling themselves. Well, particularly for a country like Australia, where we are struggling to make up a team, 
I mean, even Tonga sent a person, but that's just more than anything. That's showing off. <laughs> well, that guy's he qualified, but he's not going to get anywhere. Like re- realistically, like, and this goes for uh, like there there are exceptions, obviously, in the Nordic countries and yep. and, and and you know the northern European ones where they actually have a winter. Places where <laughs> there is snow on the ground for more than three months. Pretty much, though, anywhere in the southern hemisphere that sends an, a winter Olympic team, that's Kidding just those, that's just those people showing off. It's just like, look at me, I I, I spent the ski season somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> guess you, guess you didn't. I mean, like, like or oh, their name is Chumpy, <laughs> and they're a millionaire. Guess yeah, tough. exactly. It's just like. Uh, there's not a lot of hard Scrabble stories <laughs> in the Winter Olympics, are there? Like, there's a few, I admit, there are a few, but they are certainly uh, certainly not the norm. Like, you don't get some kid who grew up in western New South Wales driving six hours to Sydney to compete in the state championships in swimming. Like, you don't, you don't hear that story at the... At the uh, at no. the Winter Olympics. At the Winter Olympics on the Australian team, their idea of hardship is that they were only able to go to Threadbow. <laughs> do, do you know what I love about what the Winter Olympics has revealed for me? What? Um, our female um, bobsled team, I think it was. Right. Um, wasn't able to go. Uh, in part because of funding and in part because I believe they didn't the weird thing about the, well, no, no. But the weird thing about the Olympics is that I think the countries out, like outside the Nordic regions, where there's lots of competition, because they want to encourage us to be a global event, they make allowances for countries oh, right. like us, yeah, and say, yeah, you can come. That's how Eddie the Eagle got there, except that they actually but, yeah, cut back on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, they've tried to, um, but you know, it's it's so yeah. Bring bring your bobsled. Could be the next Jamaican bobsled team, whatever. Um, Apparently, well, they didn't make it. Something happened. The Australian Olympic Committee went, no, they're not good enough. We're not sending them. Their coach was pretty upset. Do you want to know who their coach is? Who's their coach? Yana Pittman. <laughs> what is failed, Yana... <laughs> failed hurdler, Yana Pittman. What does Yana Pittman know about bobsled? But as best I can understand, it's all the run. Right, like, you're a right. passenger once you're in that steel tube, and well, the person at the front. There's a bit of steering that happens. There's some leaning, yeah. um, but that's just practice. You know, the rest of it, the running, is the important bit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just thought it was a joke when I went. So this is what she's doing now. I can't get over it. <laughs> I don't look. I'm look. I'm sure, given that uh, time zone wise. Uh, South Korea is probably not a bad uh, a bad go for uh, Australian viewers. That mm. Channel Seven will do fine out of it, but it's close enough to prime time. Like yeah. for example, the Olympic ceremony finished a bit after eleven Eastern Standard Time, um, but started you know in good prime time. So it means that well, this, normally you would expect that all of the programming will be on their main channel during prime time, except. Mm. Channel 7's commitment to my kitchen rules means uh. that four nights out of the seven, <laughs> guess what is on at 7.30? And it's MKR. not the Olympics. Yes, that's exactly. You've been moonlighting doing voiceovers. Oh, I, I um, could. I'm sure I'm, like, I'm sure that there's a, a very lucrative business for, for a whingy person like me to do voiceover work. You could do better. You could absolutely do better than the guy they currently got doing it because it just was... <laughs> I don't know. He's been doing it for a few years now and it was horrible and like overblown and... He didn't have a deep enough voice, but it was very clearly a guy trying to put on a deep voice like he's the guy. Tonight on MKR, the most incredible thing you've ever seen. 
What happened to Robbie McGregor, who used to do the SBS ones? Is he still floating around? He was great. Um, no, in fact, you know, interestingly, Andy Park, who used to be a reporter on the feed, but now reports for 7.30 and a bunch of shows on the ABC, mm-hmm. he's got a great voice. It's not a big, deep, you know, sort of tenor baritone thing, uh, but he's got a good edge, like a deep edge. He recorded a whole bunch of the standard, you know, this program contains blah, blah, blah for SBS. Sure. He hasn't worked for SBS for two years. They're still rolling him out. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't, don't worry. I went, uh... Oh, well, I went back to Armadale one time after, this was after we'd left uni. What were we up there for? We were up there for a wedding. So this is pre-kids. I'm just trying to set the time frame for myself. So I reckon it was probably, it's probably three or four years after I'd le- we'd left uni. And so we went back to Armadale for this wedding. And so, of course, you know, tuned back into 2UNE because I'd spent a lot of time on air there. Yep. And they were still playing sweepers that I'd made. (laughs) 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 It was like, whoa, surely someone could have come up with something new by now. Nah. (laughs) I'm guessing maybe no one knew how to use the digicart machine anymore. (laughs) So they were stuck with what they had. (laughs) Oh, that's good enough. That'll do. It'll do. Ah, good times. Ah. So many good times. So many misunderstood good times. (laughs) Yeah, oh well. I think we're done, Stephen. I don't know We should you. try and catch up sort of at least by the time the Winter Olympics closing ceremony has happened. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can watch some Winter Olympics between now and then. I don't know. I mean, look, you know, 12 months ago, I could have promised you that I'd watch the Winter Olympics in their entirety, you know, with just the odd pop out to, you know, plug in a hard drive now and again, but not anymore. <laughs> now you've got 120 emails. Oh, 120 emails. <gasps> I hate emails, Steve. I just don't, I don't. This is how bad it's got. This is how bad it's got, Steve. I've actually got, like, my work email on my personal phone now. That's how... No. Yep. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, did I mention I don't actually... I never used to actually use my work phone, <laughs> so... <laughs> it wasn't very a useful place to get my emails from, but... I've got a work phone <sighs> and a personal phone, mm. and I refuse to put my work email on my personal phone. It's bad enough that I have my work calendar on my personal phone. We'll see... Um, <laughs> The way it works... Actually, no, I'm not going to get into how it works. I'm just going to leave that right there. Suffice suffice to say, I never used to have uh, my work email on my personal phone, and now I do. It's a whole whole new world, Steve. Fight the power. Hey, just quickly, Mm. um, because uh, how many many, uh, guest requests, friend requests, did you get for your Switch account? None! (laughs) Not one. Not a single one. That's a shame. Guess how many I got. How did you get? None. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Told you. Is it within reach? My switch? No, no, it's in the other room. Um, just to shame me more than anything else, uh, I am at the point in Zelda where I'm ready to pull the card out and hang it up and say it was a fun game. Ooh, right. But because... Yep. Because you, you could go forever if you do every quest. And... Well, I'm now down to the 1%, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yep. There's 900 Korok seeds to find. No. Nah, like, honestly, pardon happen. me. Fuck that. No. Um, there are 120 shrines, and I think I'm at 116. Oh, which is you're doing well. I think I'm... How many shrines have I done? I'm, I'm not into that triple figures, that's for sure. That's all right. Now, now I'm leaning on uh, IGN's wiki uh, to help me find the ones that I'm missing. 
Yeah. Um, Hell, I, I still haven't even found the third and fourth theory. I found all five. Oh, the five? I thought there was only four. No, there's one and there's a horse fairy. Oh, right. No, none of them. But, you ready for my great shame? Mm-hmm. Last time I played it, like one night this week, um, I found a stable that I didn't know was there. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm still missing a stable. I'm still missing a stable. I don't know. Well, you wo- might be the one that I just found. It, was it the Woodland stable? No, this was the Something Bridge stable. Oh, the Tabitha Bridge one. I've got that. Yeah, well, but again, this is where it goes back to when the first thing how we could, go and do how, this, I'm, I'm, but I'm gonna, and it I'm, took I'm, me 30 hours to find a stable, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was because I just went, I got distracted. It was like, oh, I can go and collect mushrooms and things, and oh, there's a bad gold in it. What was I meant to do? I can't remember. I'll just wander around and find something. I don't know how you could have missed that that, that stable, because you, you can't get to the tower near it without going across that bridge. Oh, no, no, I just, I work well. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I found you, ways to get. You've to done places. a lot of rock climbing, haven't you? I've done lots of rock climbing and <laughs> lots of things to do. Um, I've collected a bunch of dragon scales and horns. I, every time I see them flying around, um, I'm going and firing an arrow to collect that because that's what I'm about. I'm I'm just doing that whole, um, you know, collecting of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm up to uh, more than 195 hours. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, no, it might, it might be time to move on to Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, I think, I, and that's what I'm going to do. It'll be, because... Clean break. Well, as I said, you know, I've learnt that once you go and face off um, the, the big bad guy at the end, it just ends. There's no yep. going back. No. But I'm going to go in and fight him in a much more prepared fashion. That's a good um, plan. Uh, you know, with all all of the things. I have learnt, by the way, that the Guardians, every Blood Moon, the Guardians reappear too. So yes. I thought I cleaned out the Guardians in front of the castle... They just all turned up, or a bunch of them just turned up again. That's so, they're, they're so frustrating, aren't they? Oh, diabolical. But let me tell you, a timely placed uh, ancient arrow solves the problem. Mm. Well, see, uh, here's the, all that ancient weaponry is yes. something that I'm a bit <clears throat> about because um, the ancient cores are so hard to find. And, and, and I'm really nervous about the idea of like investing mm. in some of that, like especially some of that uh, ancient armor or weapons. Yeah. Just thinking, yeah, but. Like the durability on them eventually is going to wear out, and then I'm not going to have them, and I can't get more cores easily. I'm a bit, so I've been I haven't got I haven't got anything out of the furnace yet because I'm just yep. so paranoid um, that that I'm yeah I'm going to miss out. Well, on the all good my stuff. news is that the arrows don't need cores. Well, this is true. They just need springs and screws and arrows, I think. Yeah. And blah blah blah. So, but the catch is, of course, that you work. You can work through them really quickly. Mm-hmm. My encouragement is go in with a, a multiple arrow firing bow, because oh, yep. you only get charged one arrow for that. Yes. Yep. Um, and that way, even if you miss their eyes, usually two arrows hitting it is enough to kill it. Ah, nice. Yep. And of course, what do you collect? Springs and cogs and arrow and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. So the more that you kill them, the more stuff you get to make more arrows to go and kill them. Um, That's a very, yeah, you just spend the, the rest of eternity farming guardians after yeah, every blood moon. Basically, yes. <laughs> uh, and of course, it, there's, have you met the guy that runs the Fang and Bone? I have, yes. So you can trade a whole bunch of stuff in to get his magical dollars mm. to buy a whole bunch of extra stuff from him. Yeah, look, I did that, and I thought I was really clever getting the, the like the Lionel mask, yep. and I went to take on the guy. I in, did nothing. Well, it, it did like it stops them attacking you. Like, but I went to take on the guy who's uh, in the Colosseum. Yep. Let me tell you, he's a bit tougher than the rest of the ones that are just wandering around the countryside. 
Use the cryonis feature mm-hmm. and then come around behind him. And if you've got um you've got the sword. Yes, I have the now. master sword, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah. Yep. Press and hold. And you know how it builds up in your stamina that does a much bigger hit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can hit them with cryonis and get behind them and hold it so that you get one full ring of stamina ready to, to blurt out in the attack, you will eat up nearly a, a third to a half of his energy. Ooh. So you can defeat a Linnell in no time. Or you can fire an ancient arrow and he vanishes. Ooh. But if you kill him as opposed to making him vanish, you get his weapons. You get, you get loot. Yeah. Oh, uh, incredible weapons too. Like stuff I'd never even heard of. Mm. So it's worth the fight. And I'm much more bold. The first time I saw him and I tried to fight when it took me an hour of dying and de- trying and dying. <laughs> and then yeah. every time I saw one after that, it was like, run away! <laughs> Have you and done the one, like, but have you done the one in Colosseum? He's like, like I said, yeah. he's, he's oh. But now it's like, come at me, bro. You're like, a superhero, bring it Stephen Monk. Oh, I'm just obsessive. But so what's going to happen is that's right. I need to to get. I'm getting all of the the shrines, mm-hmm. and I'm going to arm myself hey. to the teeth. Yep. And then I'm going to fight the bad guy, and I'm going to end it. And I'm going to say, that's it. I'm walking away. I'm done. It's time to go into Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, uh, isn't it then time to go into a speed run? I've put 195 hours into this. Can you imagine what a speed run would look like? Uh, yeah, yeah, nah. And I, I, I kind of have got one eye out and ear to the ground because Nintendo know how successful Breath of the Wild has been. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the game that takes its place? Because right now there is nothing. Mm, nothing uh, even similar to the depth and breadth and the way that it looks and all of the stuff. There's got to be something. Like, the Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever the next Zelda title is has to be at least this incredible and enveloping. Fingers crossed. Oh, please, please let it be so. And Listen, mate. Just remember, there's always Wii Bowling. <laughs> Dear Universe, please create and deliver to me about two weeks before my next set of holidays the next Zelda title. That would be perfect. Thanks, love, Mog. Not a bad idea. All right, I need to go and drop children off at things. <laughs> you do that, and and, and just not not not, not like, I don't mean like cliff faces, but you know. no, 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 no. <laughs> and you don't mean the toilet. Um, no, no, we are well beyond that that uh, that point in in our parenting life. Didn't you ever call going to the toilet, dropping the kids off at the pool? No, no, never. Okay, some of my friends did. You're, you're, um, <laughs> okay, we, <laughs> let's put a pin in that. <laughs> We need to put on the board, along with Patches and the Bear, yep. the idea of a Gork, Roger, Malkinton family holiday. Oh. I reckon we need to make that happen. We, we can should, plan it. We should do that. Okay. It's going to have to be a long-term plan, because I think oh, yeah. I think 2018's already, up. already pretty full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, we're talking easy, late yeah. in 2019. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's think of something. That sounds good. I'm up for it. Do it. Alrighty. Thanks. Love you, Steve Malk. Love you too, Dave. Bye.